Good morning, church. Welcome. It's so good to get together and to lift up Jesus together and to be encouraged by God's word together. And so we're going to begin our time of, of worship together, as we usually do, uh, reading God's word to each other. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, uh, aloud to each other. So let's read this together. Above all, fear the Lord and worship him faithfully with all your heart. Consider the great things he has done for you. And that's what we're going to do together as we sing. We learned a song a few weeks ago. Let's sing it out together. Lift high the name of Jesus. Lift high the name of Jesus, of Jesus our King. Make known the power of His grace, the beauty of His peace. Remember how His mercy reached as we cried out to Him. He lifted us to solid ground, to freedom from our sin. Oh, sing, my soul, and tell all He's done, till the earth and heavens are filled with His glory. Give him praise. 
he is worthy, would you say amen? Amen. Come and stand before your Maker, full of wonder, full of fear. Come behold His power and glory, yet with confidence strong here. For the One who holds the heavens and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. Rejoice! Come and lift your hands and raise. Trembling rejoice We are children of the promise The beloved of the Lord One with everlasting kindness Bought with sacrificial blood Bringing reconciliation To a world that longs to know The affections of a father Who will never let them go Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. Come on, church. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice, sing the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice. All our sickness, all our sorrows, Jesus carried up that hill. He is walking He is walking with us. He is turning tragedy to triumph, turning agony to praise. There is blessing in those battles, so take heart and stand amazed. Rejoice when you cry to Him. He hears your voice. He will wipe away your tears. singing and for your encouragement. Grab a seat. Well, good morning and welcome to Hebron Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. For some of us, that might look like entering into a relationship with God. For others, that might be looking like being baptized or joining a local church or growing and being equipped to share our faith. Wherever we are in our journey, we want all of us to take our next steps toward Christ. Well, my name is Alan, and it is such a joy to join with you all in worship today. Thank you for coming out. If you are a guest with us today, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Whether you're with us online or in person, thank you for joining with us. We're so glad that you're here. 
we would love to connect with you. And one way we can do that is through a connect card. This card looks like this. It's in the seat in front of you. If you would pull this out and fill this out, this will let us know how we can be serving you, how we can be praying for you. Then after service, if you exit through these central doors, you can turn left, and there you'll see our next steps desk. There you can turn this card in, meet someone who'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have, and would also love to give you a free gift. So welcome to our guests. We're so glad that you are here today. Well, today we're going to take our offering at the end of service. So now as we turn to the Lord in prayer, I ask that as we pray that all of us just prepare our hearts, asking that the Lord would show us what role he would want us to have in the offering later in service as an act of worship. All right, please join me in prayer. Good morning, Father. Lord, we come before you another Sunday. You've given us the opportunity to be here in worship, and we come gratefully. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the amazing hospitality that you've shown toward us, inviting us into your family, into this place where we come before you. And Lord, with hospitality on our minds, this morning we lift up to you our core value of joyful hospitality. You've been so kind to us, welcoming us into your family, giving us so very much. And we ask that you would allow us to reflect that hospitality with those around us. We pray that you would give us real tangible opportunities to open up our homes, to open up our time, our friendships, our influence into the lives of our neighbors, of those around us, of those in this church building, that we would be hospitable to others as we seek to share your amazing love with the world around us. <clears throat> Please give us more and more joyful hospitality. Father, this morning, we pray for those on the other side of the world, worshiping you in Mosaic Multicultural Church in London, England. We ask that you would bless this church body. We pray for church planter and pastor Alex Brito. We pray that this morning that they would be refreshed in the good news of your joyful hospitality, the, the hospitality that you have offered to them. And we pray that you would give them joy in reflecting that to the world around them. We pray that you would use them as a bright light in London, that they would share your love there, and that being such a diverse place, London, that many who are from other countries or visitors or short-term living in London would, would hear of your amazing love and take that back to their home countries with them. Our hearts, Lord, go also closer to home to those who've experienced flooding in recent days here in eastern Kentucky. Lord, we pray that you would be present uh, with all those who experienced this great loss, this great trauma. We pray that you would provide for physical needs. Lord, we thank you for the disaster relief teams from the Kentucky Baptist Convention and those of other states as well who are on the ground serving and working, and we pray that you would be with them. Holy Spirit, that you would empower them and protect them and use them. Lord, as they go and as they serve practical needs, we pray that you would open up doors for them to share your amazing love, the life-saving and changing gospel. Lord, please prepare hearts of those who need to hear of your amazing love. We pray that you would use even this dark situation for good and that many would come to know you as Savior. Lord, we pray for several different health concerns with our, our friends and members of, of our church. We pray for our dear brother, George Scholl, with a number of health concerns, asking that you would bring healing to him. Please be present with George and his family. We pray for Suzanne Patterson's sister-in-law, Cheryl, who recently has been diagnosed with cancer. Please be with Cheryl. We pray for physical healing in her life and that you would be so close to her family now. We pray for Carl Smith as he continues to heal from his fall. Please give him a quick recovery and let him know of your love in this time of healing. 
And finally, Lord, we come to you with great need of healing in our souls as all of us have turned away from you, have sinned against you. Lord, I confess that I am so guilty. We all come to you, Lord, falling short of your glory, and we need your healing. We thank you that you've not left us without hope, but that, but that you have given us the source of healing through your Son, Jesus Christ, this perfect God-man who lived a life here on earth without sinning and then died on the cross to pay for our sins. Thank you for his substitutionary atonement. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made in our place. And we pray that you would wash us clean of our sins and make us new, that you would give us new life. We thank you for his victory over the power of death. And we pray that that victory would fill us now as we continue to worship and rejoice. We praise you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And as we have together confessed our sins, I pray in your heart. Before the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. So would you stand and let's celebrate together what Christ has done to die on the cross for our sins and rise again on the third day, that those who would put their trust in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. Let's sing that good news together.
us our prayer.
God's Word to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We uh, closed up two Sundays ago our uh, series through Isaiah. We have a kind of a two-week window that we're going to kind of do a, a, a challenge and commitment as we begin this fall season here at the church as we kind of re refocus ourselves as a church going into what I think is important time, school's starting, we're getting back together in life groups and D groups and, and just a recommitment and challenge for us as a church. And so we're going to do that for two weeks and then in two Sundays from now, we will be back in the Gospel of Matthew and uh, right where we're looking at uh, several miracles that Jesus did and we're going to learn what those teach us. So that's sort of our roadmap and today we're going to be challenged to renew our commitment to the Lord and his church. So let's read, uh, beginning in chapter 5, verse, uh, sorry, Pew Bible, page 970. Some of you are sitting there like, wait, wait, aren't you going to tell me where that is? 970, if you want to read in the translation that I am reading from. So, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You've not lied to people. But to God, when he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. The young man got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out instantly she dropped dead at his feet when the young man carried came in and found her dead carried her out and buried her beside her husband then great fear came in the whole church and on all who heard these things let us pray heavenly father we come to you just as we've sang show us christ lord i do not come do not want to make much of myself or of anyone here but to only humble ourselves and Lord we pray that in this text to see you and Lord be overwhelmed by the glorious good news of the gospel so Lord I pray as you speak to me personally that you speak to each one of us here personally through your spirit that we may be in line with your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a farmer who had a 
pig and a chicken. And this farmer was so good to the pig and chicken that the pig thought it would be a good idea to do something nice for the farmer. And uh, he went to the chicken and said, look, chicken, I mean, that was a unique name. It wasn't a unique name. That's just what his name was, chicken. We should do something nice for the farmer. I mean, he cares for us. He keeps us well. He protects us. Uh, he keeps the coyotes away. This man has done a great thing for us. We need to do something nice for him. And the chicken, you know, just kept eating and didn't pay any attention and ignored him. The pig came back the next day and said, look, we really need to do something for this farmer. And the chicken said, no, I'm, I'm just too busy. You know, I got some, some eggs to lay, some chicks to attend to. I just can't, I don't have time to do that. And the, the pig came back the next day and said, come on, chicken, let's do something nice for the farmer. Let's think of something together that we can do. The chicken again said, well, I'm just, my schedule is so full, I can't do it. And finally, it was like fourth day, the, the pig came to the chicken and said, chicken, I've been thinking, I know exactly what we can do. We, we can do something really nice for the farmer. Let's make him breakfast. To which the chicken replied, sure, I'll bring the eggs if you bring the bacon. Now, we know that in, in the realm of life, that we know that there was a greater commitment that was going to have to be made for the pig. But we know people who are really committed or walk through life only going by what is convenient. See, the chicken wasn't going to do much. He didn't want to spend a lot of time unless it only was going to cost them a couple eggs. We all know people like that. There are people who are committed, those who are committed to do everything, and those who only a matter of convenience. Today, I'm asking you, are you committed to Christ and his church? The difference between those in life, those who are far or constantly struggling, can come down to the matter of commitment and convenience. You can see that in school. Those who work hard, study hard, do so many different things, as opposed to those who sort of coast along in school. Those who are at work, those who, who show up, have all their projects ready, show up the meetings on time, or log into the meetings on time these days, that they do everything that they're supposed to do. They make sure everything is tied up, or the person that, you know, is late, doesn't have their projects in on time, aren't doing what they're supposed to be. And also in family. We see people who are really committed to their kids and making sure they have time for for, for devotions for their kids, that they're spending time, quality time with their kids. They're, they're involved with, with their school. They're involved with, their, with everything going on, and they want to see their children grow. But then there's, we know realistically, some who just don't spend a lot of time with their family. And unfortunately, in these ways of convenience and commitment have crept in to Christians as well, into the church. 
Sadly, in the same way that we look as our spiritual commitment is often blurred by a matter of convenience. When it comes down to our quiet times or our, 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 uh, uh, our service to the church or our giving to the church, our attendance to the church, if there's anything better to do, that's what we're going to do as opposed to what we've committed to do. And unfortunately, we know over the last few years because of, of many different reasons, busyness, uh, the uncertainty of COVID, the unsurety of the future, many opportunities we waver because we do what's most convenient to ourselves. One wise pastor told me recently, the attitude of our people can sometimes be a matter of commitment and convenience to it where that they becomes either contributors or consumers. And unfortunately, we see in every church that there is a consumeristic mentality that has crept in. But here at Hebrew Baptist Church, one of our values, one of the things that we talk about, that we feel, that we even know, is that membership matters. And what we have done is commit to one another, just not for the sake of anything, but we have committed to one another for the good of others. Not for the benefit that we receive, but for that others might be blessed in Christ through us and in us in our commitment to the church and each other. That means for this to happen, all of us need to be committed. In our passage today, it reveals the hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira and God's resulting terrifying holiness. You know, when we read the early church, when you read through Acts, you see a different commitment level that they have to Christ and his church. They had a sure sense of the resurrection power of who Jesus was, the gospel truth, that Jesus died on the cross, that took our sins, that he rose to life, and those who put their faith in him are born again, and they are formed into a new family of faith, an eternal family of faith, but also a family of local believers committed to one another. And they lived it, they breathed it, they were committed to it. As a matter of fact, if you were to go back and read chapter 4 for pre-homework for today, you would have seen that, that that is what they were doing, practically speaking. In chapter 4, we learn that uh, the church had committed uh, to everyone selling portions of their lands, commit to those who were struggling. Because when they, when they claimed Christ, they followed Christ, everything changed and they they lost a lot and the church does what the church does best they committed to one another and took care of one another's needs acts chapter 4 verse 32 through 33 says now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and one mind and no one claimed that any of his possession was his own but instead they held everything in common with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the lord jesus and great grace was on them we see this the gospel in their lives in the way that they treated each other and were committed to the gospel 
Today, as we read now in chapter 5, we get a grim warning, but also an encouragement from Scripture to be committed to the Lord and His church. What would our church look like if everyone was committed as they were in Acts chapter 4? What ministries would be covered and more greatly offered? What would we individually look like if we were more committed to our own spiritual growth and health? What would our families look like? And what would it take for you to be more committed to Christ and his church? In this passage, we'll see three results of the lack of commitment does to a Christian and to the church, but I hope an encouragement for all of us to be committed. So if you're take, taking notes on your phone or on your bulletin, number one, the lack of commitment communicates you think less of others. The lack of commitment communicates you think less of others. Chapter 5 begins introducing us to Ananias and Sapphira, one of the only few couples that we read about in the early church that has said that they have committed and sold a piece of property, but instead of what everyone else had committed to do, instead of giving the full portion of what they had committed, they held back some. Now, we don't know what the reason was for their heart, but we read what Peter said, that it was a lie to the, lie to the Lord, it was, it, was, it was a matter of fear, it was sinful, because they had committed to do something, and they did the opposite. But here what we learn, that the church was serious about its commitment for caring for people. This was not an experiment in socialism, as some try to say. Instead, it was a practical outpouring of love of the church. And what the church does best in all of history is care for those who are in need. When people who Jewish Christians specifically here in, in the book of Acts when they proclaimed the resurrected Lord they were kicked out of their families they lost business uh, they were struggling and so the church said how are we going to help one another and this is they devised a plan saying that we are committed to one another as we follow Christ together so those who had means would sell a portion of their land and give all of it so that people could be cared for. One example that we read is again back in chapter 4. Someone we read again in the New Testament, Barnabas. In chapter 4, verse 36, he says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, and the one the apostles, apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, the one who would encourage Paul, encourage the missionaries, encourage the church. He again, by his willingness to sacrifice, was an encouragement to others. You see, sometimes we think of our act of obedience as just something individual. But in the life of a church, it's always connected to others. When we obey and pray, it encourages others to pray. When we encourage to serve, it encourages others to serve. When we encourage to give, we encourages others to give. And Barnabas was a work of encouragement as he sacrificed, and his sacrifice was contagious. 
You see, when we commit to the Lord and His church and serve and give, it is an overflowing to encourage others to do the same. And unfortunately, we read here in chapter 5, Ananias was the opposite of encouragement. He's one who serves as an example and a discouragement to others, one that we get our warning. It wasn't just the fact that he had disobeyed the Lord. It wasn't just the fact that he had lied to the Lord. It wasn't just the fact that he had gone back on his commitment. But deeper is the message that he sent to the rest of the church that I am okay with you sacrificing and me not. And that's what happens when we are not willing to be committed because we are sending a subtle message that it's okay for you to do it, but not for me. It's very hypocritical. Brothers and sisters, in every church, it seems to be there's some who do a lot and others who don't. This is not new to Christianity or to the church, and then for many different reasons. Health reasons, job changes, times of life, different sacrifices. But we know that in every church, we can all be tempted to not do our part but settle in a matter of convenience. When you are willing to not do anything, though, you are really saying, I am okay with someone else doing it and not me. We know that's not how the church is designed to be. When the Bible talks about the body of Christ, he talks about every part of the body playing its role. He goes as far as to say that even the weaker parts have an important part. The option is not how much we do, but if we're doing anything at all. And let me be clear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that when people who give the most, serve the most, do the most, are the ones who are to be uh, held high, but the question is, are we doing anything? Are we serving, giving, doing at all? The body of Christ tells us that we should do this because why? It is all of us doing our part builds each one of us up into a glorious body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 for whom for him who the whole body is fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building of itself in love and proper working of each individual part. What, isn't that beautiful that all of us are knitted together for the good of each other and for the good of the whole. God has given you opportunities to serve, to share, to give, to love, to be committed to the local church and to Christ. And we should be thinking and warning ourselves, what are we doing, not just as our part, but if we aren't, what type of pressure are we putting on others to do their part? Because inevitably, if we're not doing our part, somebody has to pick up the slack, right? I remember a family story where uh, it was a couple of family members and this guy that was sort of like a, he was kind of like a hired hand that did a lot of things around the farm. And, and uh, they, were, they were moving a freezer from the basement to the up room to they were going to move it out and you know you get you all get a plan you know especially as guys we're just like we can get it up there let's go 
So we just go grab as many people as we can, and we just run up the steps. Well, of course, nobody measured, nobody did anything, and by the time they got up kind of halfway up the wall or the banisters, they realized not everybody could kind of slide through with the freezer. And so here everybody's trying to problem solve halfway up the steps with freezer in their hand, and, and they're like, what are we going to do? Some of us need to slide to the back, some of us need to go to the forward, but if it goes to the back, that's where the most pressure is. And this one guy's like, let me have it. You slide to the front, and I'll do it. And they're like, no, we can't, you can't hold this. And he's like, no, let me do it. Y'all slide around. No, you can't do it. He's like, look, it's getting heavy. Just go to the front. And, and so they decide they're going to slide around to the front and leave him in the back. And sure enough, boom, they look, the freezer goes back, and all they see is arms and legs doing this underneath the freezer. We need to all do our part because someone in the family is going to be smashed under the pressure. We need to make sure we're all doing our part. So let me ask you, are you doing yours? In which way are you serving? In which way are you giving financially? In which way are you doing your part to invite people to church or going and sharing the gospel? What are you doing as your part of being committed to Christ and his church? These areas, we need to be committed to one another. Number two, lack of commitment cheapens your word. Verse 3 through 4, Peter confronts Ananias, Ananias and says, didn't you say you were going to do this? Didn't you have possession of this land? This, basically, Peter just drilled down on, on Ananias to say, look, there's really not an excuse here. You have the land. You got the money for the land. You had the money after the sale of the land. What happened to the money you said you were going to give to support one another? You see, the commitment that Ananias made, again, so many people can drive down and take whatever they want out of Scripture. And some people will say, oh, look, you know, we need to give this, this, that. We need to give, we need to give more, you know. Well, the point was, Ananias and Sapphira backed out of their commitment and cheapened their word. The case here was that they went back on what they promised to the church and other believers. It was the people that, that the local church that they had committed to, to bless and be a part of. Let me just ask you this morning, when it comes to other believers in the local church, have you fulfilled your commitment? Now you're saying, well, pastor, I haven't, I haven't committed to anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, there's several guests here today so you may not be a member of Hebrew Baptist Church, but I know here, and then I know through most, at least Baptist churches across the country, every church has a church covenant. That it is part of when we say that we are members of an organization, that we're committing to one another. You know, I was part of a sports uh, kind of organization back in Virginia when and, and there was a couple of things that we had to do to be a part of this. We had to show up to the meetings, we had to give our dues, and we had to serve at a certain time, and if we didn't, we, had, we couldn't be part of the group. Some of you in National Honor Society, you know you have to get a grade point average of a certain thing, you've got to fill your volunteer hours or you're not part of National Honor Society. 
when we expect one thing from secular institutions that of expectation why would we not expect the same expectation in the house of the lord why would we not want to commit to one another in that way so at Hebrew Baptist Church, many of us, we know some of our new members have signed the church covenant. Some haven't, but it's there. And we know that that's part of what membership is. So let's just, just to, to test, just, hey, I'm talking, you're here, you can't leave. You know, let's, let's test ourselves. Let's, let's see how our commitment is. Let's just go through some parts of the covenant we read last week after the Lord's Supper and see where we can where we can be better so let's just use parts of it the first part we will not forsake this is not for i'm just taking certain sections out we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together nor neglect to pray for ourselves and others let's just take that first part we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together it, it, there's no no surprise or or no no secret is probably a better word that statistics show that right now church attendance in the United States are at its lowest in recorded history. But not only that, probably more concerning is that frequency of attendance is the lowest in recorded history. It used to be when you said that person was a regular church attender, it was meant by four plus times a week that someone attended a church. They were considered a regular church attender when they were there more than four times a week, a month, excuse me, uh, four times a month. Um, but now it's, you considered a regular church attender if you're there 2.5 times a month. I don't know how you're half there a month, but that's what the statistics tell you. As someone said the other day, many of us have subconsciously consciously made a decision not to be regular in church that if you were to really nail us down you would say oh i'm i'm at church all the time but then if you actually went through your calendar and said this is when i was here this is when i wasn't i mean just do that just as a matter of just testing what the lord is doing where you are in your in your life and I'm afraid some of you would be shocked that you're a one-time-a-month attender or a two-time-a-month attender. And, and when that flow happens in the church, what happens to all of us? We get less likely to come. We get less likely to attend. And what happens is it's not just you struggle, but your church struggles. Let me clear, there is danger for your soul when worship becomes a matter of convenience. There is a danger for your soul when you're not singing hymns and being under the word with one another. You are stealing a blessing from others when you are not present because they do not receive the prayers and encouragement and blessing from you when you're not there. As a parent, you're setting an example to the next generation of churchgoers that worship isn't important. Is it not a surprise that Generation Z is the least Christian generation in history. Now look, there's, there's some happened because of COVID, but I'm afraid that COVID has just become an excuse for people who like convenience. And it's time to be reminded that we have committed to one another 
to be present and the word tells us to not only do we worship but life group as well let's just take another one we will support the ministry and mission of the church to proclaim the gospel and evangelize those around us and pray for god to move in the hearts of the lost so when I look at our Go board out there, hopefully you do that every Sunday, and if you've invited someone to church or if you've shared the gospel with somebody, you put a ping pong in, and we are celebrating. We, are pro- we may be on task to fill that board up this year, which we have never done. Praise God. God is working among you and among others as we share the gospel and invite people to church. But I encourage you that maybe that's being done by a small amount of people. Are you being faithful to take every gospel conversation you have? Are you taking and looking and thinking of your friends and those around you and saying, oh, they're not in church or they don't know Jesus or we need you to be part of the Great Commission. Everybody needs to be part. We have gospeled every home so that if you're not around lost people, which that's something you need to evaluate too, are you around people that you can share the gospel? But even in that, if we have only two groups go out a week what if we had 10 go out every week how much quicker can we reach every person in our zip code brothers and sisters we need to be all part committed to work of the great commission as god has commissioned and called the church to do are you committed Another section of our covenant. We will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. Now this is where it gets uncomfortable because I know that if I were to say, hey, hey, how's your prayer life this week? You say, oh, pastor, thank you for asking me. If I say, hey, uh, how's your Bible reading this week? Oh, brother, Sean, thank you. I've, I need to get better. I've, I've got out of my devotions this week. I would say, hey, have you been giving financially this month? Whoa, 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 whoa. Spiritual things are private. Hey, we can't talk about that. So I would say nowhere in the scriptures say that our finances are private. As a matter of fact, our text today shows that. Are we financially committed to give what the Lord has given us stewardship over to the kingdom of the Lord. God has given us so much, brother and sister. He has provided you a job, skills, ways to make income. Many of us, we know how hard it has been during inflation. COVID has lost jobs, changed jobs. But we know that through it all, who has been faithful? God has been faithful. And God will continue to be faithful. And if God is faithful to us, we must be faithful to him. Some of us, we are thankful, are so faithful in giving of their finances, but some of us know that we've put off this spiritual discipline probably too long. We've not done our part. We're not committed. We need to budget. We need to work towards giving a tithe. We need to do what... The Lord has called us to do so that all of us are sacrificing in whatever way we can. You know, we, along with other churches, are having to scale back programs and reevaluate things because of the same issues that everyone is creating. So we are thankful who those who give, but we need to make sure 
all of us are committed in this area. And if it's a struggle, brother, sister, let me just humbly say, maybe the Lord is trying to break an idol in your heart. Maybe he's trying to reveal to you that there's something that you're not willing to give up to him. One more thing, and I know that, that I'm, I think I'm drilling in on our point here, but we will walk together in brotherly love, exercising an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other, and faithfully admonish and entreat one another, an occasion may require, faithfully putting aside our differences and seeking reconciliation. We will rejoice at Christ's work in each other's lives and with sympathy bear each other's burdens and sorrows. This may be one that we, that we don't think about a lot, but, but consider what God has called us to commit in the lives of one another. Now, this is why we are so committed here to life groups, and D groups that we are not just superficially in each other's lives but we're deeper and deeper that we have Christians who care for us pray for us and call us out when needed on our sin and this commitment takes all of us to do that is there a place that you are are doing just this that you are watchful over each other that you're admonishing one another, that you are seeking to care for each other's souls. Well, I encourage you in two weeks when we launch life groups and D groups that you're part of these groups as we, as we go out, that we encourage one another in faithfulness. But something that was also in here, that we seek reconciliation and rejoice in the work of Christ in each other's lives. You know, one of the best ways to have unity in the church is forgive one another. I think that sometimes we we faithfully admonish but maybe we're slow to forgive and maybe one of the things that we need to do and I think not just in in I'd say in most churches can get better at are we celebrating people when they walk away from sin are we creating an environment where they're opening, we're opening their arms to those who are said no to sin and yes to Christ and that we're welcoming them in with love and encouragement and applauding them for what Christ is doing in their life. Churches need to have an opportunity to say, yes, this is sin, but when you walk away, welcome home because we're all sinners saved by grace. We're going to have opportunities, I think, to do this very soon as a church. But are we willing to be committed to do this with one another? These are just a few examples, brothers and sisters, to be people of the word and be committed to one another. But since the Lord has saved us and committed us to one another, we need to commit ourselves to each other and each of us do our part not for just what we receive, but actually for what we give for the body. Which results in number three. The lack of commitment shows you think less of God. Verse five through nine, we could go through it, but here again, Peter, we see the result of what happened when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the people and to the Lord. What happened? God struck them dead. I mean, there's no way for me to soften that. I mean, there's no way for me to explain that and make that more seeker-sensitive. God struck them dead. God, in his holiness, 
wanted to set across the church as something more important than people who are willing to be people of convenience or to lie in those midst. You see, Ananias and Sapphira were taking back a commitment privately, but there is nothing hidden in the sight of the Lord. When we commit to one another, we're committing not just to one another, but to God. In your marriages, it is not just a commitment to you and your spouse, but you and your spouse and the Lord. And the Lord is grieved when we go against our, our, our covenants to one another. And in this case, God cared so greatly for the church and for the people who he had bought with his own son's blood and created a new place to show himself that he did, didn't want anything to do with this sort of sin in the camp. And brothers and sisters, we need to be concerned about our commitment to the church. Why? Because we are the visible kingdom of God to the world. And what we say and how we act and what we do displays the person that we are ambassadors of God, that we are the people of God, we are a kingdom of priests, and as we think through who we are and how we live, we communicate just as much about God as we do about ourselves. And it was being hypocritical for them to not keep their word as they had committed to God. James Montgomery Boyce, a pastor in Philadelphia, said, observed of this, something new was being inaugurated, a new era was about to come in, and it would seem that God established at the start of these ventures how seriously he considered the purity and relationship of his people to himself. Brothers and sisters, in this case, the church that God formed through the Spirit and through his Son is a place of holiness and a place to be committed to one another. Therefore, brother and sister, we need to commit to Christ. We need to commit to the church. We need to be committed because what we are doing represents ourselves to the world, God to the world, our, represents Christ to our children, represents Christ to each other. And therefore, we need to be committed to him in the local church because of who God is. James chapter 5 verse 12 warns us, let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you might not fall under judgment. I just encourage you, brother and sister, renew your commitment to the church. Renew your commitment. Consider where you are. Look, it is. this has been going to be real it's been one of the hardest years of ministry for me coming off of covid many different things that you all some of you all know that's happened in the life of our church but in the midst of it i see a glorious god who is faithful and glorious people who god is using to do great things two weeks ago was my ninth year here at hebron baptist church and i love you all more than words could say. And I just encourage you, not just for me, but as we've come off of summer, we've come off of COVID, we've come off of a lot of different things, 
let's be challenged and committed together to the cause of Christ and to the Lord. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the challenges that we could have, that we could get better. Let's, let's ask the Word to reveal our true heart. Let us look to God and ask Him, give us the strength and the ability to commit to one another and your church. If you would, for just a minute this morning as we close, would you close your eyes this morning and just to the Lord? I want you to ask the Lord, in what areas do you need to be more committed to Him and His church? It may be your own personal walk with the Lord. Your more faithfulness to gospel sharing. Ask the Lord what are one or two action steps that you can take this week to be more committed. Think and consider and maybe talk later. Have a family meeting with your spouse and ask what is it that that we need to do is we evaluate our own commitment to Christ in the church. What are the things that we need to do to evaluate? Do we need to evaluate and take our schedule and see how often we've not been in church? Do we need to look and budget and look at our finances? Do we need to have a consideration of how we might serve greater? Somebody serve here and somebody serve there what what is it that god is calling us to do today heavenly father we are thankful for your word even when it's hard and god i am so thankful that i don't have to do this on my own but you have given me the holy spirit you've given me your word but you've given me a family of believers that encourage, love, and care for me. And I know that brothers, other brothers and sisters in here would say the exact same thing. So Lord, help us to encourage one another all the more to be faithful until you call us home. Help us be faithful to one another. Help us be faithful to your church. Help us to be committed in the areas that we know that we need to be committed. Lord, we are thankful so much that you were committed to us, that your son died for us, that by faith we can claim your son Jesus as Lord. And I pray today, as we have talked about a lot of insider stuff as a church, that Lord, that the gospel would not be overlooked, that there's someone here that is not trusted in you, that today, by faith, they would be received, and that Today, they would find a father who is just forgiving, just forgiving because he's given his son. We're thankful today. Work in your people. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we reflect and respond, as we've heard from God's word, and we've taken a moment to think about the ways in which we may have fallen short over the last year, um, God's grace can serve at least two purposes. And as we sing, that's, I pray, what we would meditate upon. But one is, there's forgiveness when we've fallen short. And two is, there is grace and mercy and power in the Holy Spirit to actually do what God has called us to do. So as we stand, and uh, I ask that you would, uh, and as we sing together, let's reflect and glory in the grace, the marvelous grace that comes. 
to those who put their trust in Christ. Oh, mm-hmm. 
and Bailey Ponder. You got to see them for just a second last week, but they're officially coming uh, after the uh, vote last Sunday after church. They've come to join our church family, and so this is uh, Curtis and Bailey, and uh, little James is in the nursery. You'll have to see him, and uh, Curtis is just going to say just a quick second. We, we're so excited about your family coming to Hebron Baptist uh, Curtis is going to be our director of student ministries, and so we're very excited about how God has blessed us by bringing his family uh, just across the county to here. Uh, so just quickly t tell us a little bit about yourself and, and coming to Hebron Baptist here. I'll do my best to make this quick. Um, yeah, so my name's Curtis. This is my wife, Bailey, our son, James, uh, back in the nursery. We've been so blessed uh, so far by so many of you just to meet you. Um, please continue to get to know us as we continue to get to know you. Uh, really quick testimony. Um, I grew up in church. I grew up attending. I grew up serving. I grew up doing all the things that a kid growing up in the Southern Baptist Church does. Uh, I was there, whether I liked it or not, and that was life. Um, but that didn't mean that I easily believed. It didn't mean that I well, was quick to come to faith. In fact, it wasn't. Um, I had been told the gospel thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Um, but it wasn't until the age of 13 at a youth camp um, in Tennessee where God ripped my heart, made it clear my sin, and saved my soul. And praise him. We just sung about how grace is greater than all our sin, and, and all I could think about was that moment. Um, and it's a continuous thing that God still, his grace is greater than my sin. Um, kind of vision, I think you wanted me to share this kind of for the student ministry here, the youth. Um, I want it to be biblical above all. I don't want it going off of my wisdom or, or my wife's wisdom as she ministers to young ladies here but rather it's based on what God's word says, and we will strive to be obedient to what he calls us to do. And that means a biblically-centered uh, youth group. That means that we look to Christ and what he has told us to do, that we minister in accordance with the word, and we try to do our best to be obedient to him, which isn't always easy, but it's always good. So just thank you all so much. We, we have been nothing but welcomed here. And we really do want to get to know you better. So please don't be a stranger. Come and talk to us. So 
let me uh, pray for the ponders, and then after our service, just go and say hi to them and introduce yourself to them and uh, uh, hug them around the neck, give them a good Hebron hug, and uh, welcome them to our church family. Father, we're so thankful for Curtis and Bailey and James. Uh, Lord, we're excited to have him into our church family. God, we know that you, uh, you are uh, bringing the ponders for a particular time and for a particular reason. And we pray, God, that many students and families and people um, are blessed through their ministry and uh, through the word and that, God, that even them are, are grown in their faith and encouraged in their walk through other believers here at Hebron Baptist. We're thankful for them. And God, we pray that you would bless our students and see many come to faith in Christ, but not just uh, there, but Lord, that they are fashioned and shaped by the gospel to whatever you would call them to do uh, in the future, uh, in, uh, whether they're doctors or teachers or professors or whatever they are, that they are shaped and molded by the gospel. And we look forward and thankful to be a church that is committed to that. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. A couple quick announcements. Uh, 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 we had talked earlier about the uh, Kentucky uh, flooding in Kentucky, how horrific that is. That we have, and we have the opportunity to serve them and minister to them. If you'd like to give any portion to them, you can give it to the church. Just make sure you mark that Kentucky Baptist Relief. Uh, flood relief or some kind of market so we know uh, you can also starting today through next Sunday if you would like to bring gift cards uh, between uh, just this week and of course I didn't bring my list of, of what those are I should have done that but I think it's home does anybody remember that Home Depot a couple of specific uh, anyways I sent an email this week so I'm just reminding you to check that email, and I'll send it out again, specific gift cards this week, uh, and then next Sunday we will collect them, and uh, we will send them through the association down to the people that need it down there. So we encourage you to do that. Also, this week, Gentle and Lowly Book Club meeting on Zoom online uh, at 8 o'clock on Tuesday, and here at the church at 10 a.m. Uh, you can check that schedule out at the Next Steps desk if you'd like the book. And try to catch up between now and then, uh, or just the chapters that we're supposed to read. Uh, we'd love for you to do that and meet this week. Uh, also, uh, next Sunday after church, I'm holding this like I'm talking to it. Um, D groups, uh, if you don't know what a D group is, it is a group of three Christians getting together. They meet weekly to talk about the word and to encourage each other in their faith. Uh, if you would like to know more how to do this after church next Sunday, we're going to do just a brief meeting for those who have never done it before. So it's not for everybody in D groups, but just those who might be interested. You can learn about it and then find out if you want to be committed and connected to two other Christians. The following week, we're going to launch all of them. We would like all of our D groups started, and also we're, you're going to get to meet our life group leaders on that August 21st. So if you're not part of a life group, we hope that you become part of a life group, either on campus or off campus. You'll get to know and be a part of community in a local, uh, local group, uh, either in someone's home or here at the church. So that's all happening in the next couple weeks, and so that's a, that's a step you can make towards commitment in the local church. Uh, also, the same Sunday, so the 21st is uh, rounding up to be a big day, 
back to school bash that uh, that evening uh, we're going to need some volunteers for setup and some other things but most of it it's going to be a pretty easy event we're doing for the whole community we've got a lot of people responding to our facebook ad and so basically it's hot dogs free dreamy whip ice cream come on that's good that's an amen right there uh, there'll be some water and dry bounce slides, so there'll be some stuff for kids to be a part of. Invite a neighbor, a grandchild, someone, bring people to get to know us here at Hebron Baptist Church. It's an outreach event as we start back to school. Also, if you're interested in becoming a member at Hebron Baptist Church or just want to know more, new members class starts at the end of the month. I'd encourage you to go to the Next Steps desk to get information you have to fill out and a book that you'll need. Uh, but this is a great step. If you just want to know more about Hebron Baptist Church and then join later, or you're like, I really want to join, but I, but I need to take this class to be a member, uh, make sure that you stop by the Next Steps desk today. And uh, it's August 24th and 31st. It's at, sorry, I didn't put that in there. It's at 6 o'clock from 6 to 8. You have to be both Sundays, uh, sorry, both Wednesdays, uh, to participate. All right, now uh, we are changed up our service today. So if you haven't noticed, we're going to do some things a little different. We're going to have a time of offering. So if you have not prepared, we hope that you have prepared to do so. Uh, you can do so electronically in in your pews. There is a little scan that you can give. Uh, I think it's usually up there. Do we have a slide for that? Slide for the giving. There. You can scan that and give online as well. Uh, if you uh, have already given this week, as we do the offering, you can just think, the, uh, you can take a time to just meditate on the Lord and his provisions and, and how he's uh, given. But right now we're going to come and uh, take up an offering. So let's, let's pray as they come. Heavenly Father, we uh, uh, thank you for this time and as an act of worship. We know that you have given us all things. We ask that you, as we give back to you, you would bless the offering that you would multiply it so that the world may know of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can just be seated and reflect on the words as they come on the screen for the first verse or so, and we'll have you stand and sing the rest.
tremble. 